Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And what a treat we have today. One of the best guys in the history of business, one of the best families in the history of the business, and one of the most iconic guys in the history of business. One of the best storylines, one of the best angles, one of the most controversial parts, which he and Jerry kind of worked together on. He is the legend, Mr. Earl Hebner. Mr. Earl, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Hey, Earl, man, it's about time we had you on here, man. You and I go back so many years. I can't even remember the first year. Back in the old Mid-Atlantic days, or the old Crockett days, the old, the old Murdoch days, as you guys will call them up in Virginia there, the Murdoch days. Oh, Joe and Elliot, Carl Murdoch. We right. got some great stories on the Murdoch family that have Mid-Atlantic wrestling there in Richmond, Virginia. One of the iconic places, not only in the South for wrestling, but in the entire United States. Richmond, uh, because of the Habners, the Habner family, and and uh, Mid Atlantic promotion there, man, man, what what are your your glory days? What what did you and brother Dave? Which by the way, this guy has an identical twin, so I, I don't blame us, uh, you know, <laughs> for for Earl. <laughs> Earl, who who was the oldest? Was it you or Dave? Was it Dave? Five Dave minutes. Five minutes older, man. You yeah. never let him forget that. I forget that. No. Either. You know, when it come when it come to the uh, uh, the Vietnam War, they couldn't cure us both, so they said that uh, we got to take the oldest one. I said, "Well, he's five minutes older. Get him." <laughs> so you volunteered your brother for a Vietnam draft, man. That, that's right. a good brother there, man. Did, did he right. end up having to go? Yeah, yeah, he went. They couldn't <laughs> get the oldest. So, so you didn't have to go, and he had to go because he's the older one. Right. You soothed your damn brother off to go to war. <laughs> That's, that's a scoop right here. We're, we're already opened up with a scoop, John. Hey, I already screwed my brother. Look at there. <laughs> that's great. But so, when, so, when, when, when you, 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 Dave, uh, go ahead, John. You, I'll, I'll so get in. How, how long was he in Vietnam? And was he mad at you? <laughs> was he mad at you? <laughs> hey, he, he was over there for three years. Wow. 
Oh my goodness. Yep. And what did you do during that three years? Sit back and chase women, probably. Yeah, I was sitting over here uh, uh, having good food and uh, dodging cars, not bullets. <laughs> well, cool. But yeah, Dave, going back to those old Mid Atlantic days, Earl, Earl, going back to those old Mid Atlantic days, uh, you, 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 you and your brother, Dave, uh, uh, sitting there watching Mid Atlantic wrestling. I'm sure you flashed on the Briscoe brothers a few times. But what 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 made you guys uh, uh, get into professional wrestling? What what was the what was the what was the point where you guys said, "Man, this is cool. Let's try our hand at this." Well, you you know we was putting the rings up and selling the merchandise back then, you know. And uh, how, how did you get involved in that though? Well, uh, we were we, we were working for the concession at the old cattle barn when y'all oh, come yeah, to Richmond, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, we were putting the ring up and uh, for Mister Mernick and everything. And then one day he came in, he goes, uh, Earl, I need you to do me a favor. And I go, well, what's that, Mr. Murnick? He said, I need you to referee tonight. <laughs> and I go, uh, Mr. Murnick, I don't know nothing about a referee. And he said, hell, Earl, all you got to do is listen. <laughs> but uh, Angelo Martinelli had, a, had, had, a, had a heart attack coming up here, and he passed away. So I, remember, know, I, remember, then, I remember when that happened now. Right. And back then, you know, hell, you only had one referee. So I said, okay, I'll try it. So I did it, and I did, I did pretty good. I mean, you know, learning and everything. I was nervous. You remember the first match that you refereed? Uh, you know what? Uh, not really. I remember one of the first matches I had was Sam Houston and uh, some other guy. I can't think of his name, but Sam looked like a, a, a spaghetti noodle back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He never looked much different from a spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had charisma, but he he wasn't he wasn't built. No. As bad as Black Bart used to say, he's about Dick Murdoch. You look like an upside down light bulb, Dick. He <laughs> <laughs> can work though. Oh God, could he ever? Hey, uh, in in Fedville, uh, he hit the ropes one night, and the ropes snapped. He went he went to the. Uh, he went over the uh, first row and second row of people. Over the row, back then, you know, we had a row, we didn't have the rails like we do today. But he went over all of them. And, man, he messed himself up. But he popped right back up and come back in that ring. with And, uh, you know, Bart. So, so your your first night was in. Wait, 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 wait Jay. Was that, was that, was that, uh, was that uh, Murdoch or Bart that broke oh, the rope? Black, Black Bart. Oh, good, man, Black Bart. Oh, yeah, I, oh, my God. Black Bart was one of my first tag team partners. I know Bart oh, my there. God. Oh, my God. Earl, <laughs> I, used to come, I used to come in with my cowbell, and when Bart would be sitting there at that big trash can, like everybody saw him do, spitting in that trash can, pushing up his glasses, oh, my God. Right. And he'd go. look up, and he'd hear that cowbell, and he goes, I hate that sound because I know that long, tall drink of shit's with it. <laughs> How about me? <laughs> Bar was the best. Oh God, yes. So, 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 one so, of your so, first, one of your first matches when you got in the ring, did were you smart to the business at all? Not really. Not really. <laughs> you still aren't. I'm still not. <laughs> they, I'm still not smart. That's how everybody gets screwed. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. For those <laughs> that don't know Joe Murdoch, Joe Murdoch was probably one of the classiest men and you know that come through our business. The guy was a great businessman. He was a 
he was an amateur boxer. I believe he even represented the United States in one of the, one of the Pan American Games or Olympic Games or some some type of games back in back in the forties or thirties. But he he was a, he was a he was an NC State guy and a Carolina guy. He supported their athletic team. He he was always one of those guys who was out front. You know, a very very uh, 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 gentleman, uh, well respected gentleman around the Carolina. So when he came and got you, that must have meant a lot for you because you probably looked up to Joe as you were setting up the the rings and everything. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, not only that. I mean, I, I'd go around to, to the towns he was in, like Charlottesville, uh, Roanoke, or whatever, and always set the rings up and always be there and. Uh, he always believed in me. He had a lot of confidence. It was never a doubt that I wouldn't be there. Well, that, that's 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 a mark of a professional and, and a reliable referee. And that, that's that's definitely probably why you you caught on there. But your first night in the business, that John asked you, was, well, did they smarten you up in any way, or did they just tell you to shut up and go out there and listen and count three when it was time to count three? <laughs> and did you <laughs> did, did you have trouble learning how to count three? <laughs> <laughs> well he goes uh he goes well just listen to me and i said okay and uh and he'd say make him break make him break i said okay break up back up and then uh when we got ready to go home he goes okay kid this is it count three count three I said, okay <laughs> And so back in those days, there weren't like uh, many referees out there. So you you probably became with Angela because Angela was the number one Crockett, number one referee during during that time frame. There, so you probably were had had your hand full, you know, with bookies right off the bat, just just green out of the business. When did your brother come along? He came along uh, about when I did. We started uh, mixing it up, you know, one with referee one week and one with referee the next week, and. Hell, nobody ever knew anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Probably did the talent even know that there were two of you? Or did oh, yeah. They, yeah, they, yeah. They'd say you did. Were you still setting up the rings also? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doing it all. But you know what? Uh, in all honesty, when I went there, there, there was uh, Stu Schwartz, Sonny Fargo, and Tommy Young, and Angela. And he, it was just un. Unreal. I'm, you know, I'm sitting here today talking to you guys, especially you, Briscoe, because uh, I got a picture at home of you and your brother Jack that I I, I got it somewhere here, and it and because uh, I've looked at it a million times, and uh, it's uh, you just can't replace that picture. You can make a duplicate, but it it's not the same. So that, all those referees, I mean, they're, they're the all-star group of referees, you know, with 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 all, all the guys you name there, and uh, Sue Swartz. Or the course, mile time, one mile time favorites because the Florida connection I had with Sue and even Sue Sue passed away just a few miles from me and I was able to go visit him the day before, you know, and uh, so he, he holds that place near and dear to my but dear to my heart. But uh, I was it who who which one of those referees was it Tommy Young? I think I read somewhere that kind of took you under his wing and kind of started showing you the ropes and everything. Tommy Young is the one that uh, tutored me to be. Number two, he's number one. I can't take yeah. it from Tommy, but I'm not, I could be number two. But Tommy was the best, the greatest, you know. So, so in your mind, all the referees you've seen over the years, he, Tommy Young was the best that that you ever worked with. The best, the best. What uh, made him? Uh, what made him so good? The way he, the way he presented himself in the ring, and he could slide from here to China and count to three. 
And I love that slide. And I, I said, I got to learn it. I got to learn it. And, and finally I, I did, did learn it, but he, he was just so accurate. He could slide on, he could slide in and hit one a little more sliding two and three. He was ready to guys head. I mean, and, I mean, back then that was amazing to me, you know? Yeah. Down in Texas, they they just basically used old wrestlers for referees until later when David Manning came along. You know, they had Bulldog Danny Pletchis, who was a big shooter. Bronco Lubitsch, who was a great manager and wrestler in the 50s and 60s and owned part of the company. Did they have the same up where you were? I mean, was there any pushback for you getting in the business without having a wrestler background? No, well, really not because I was needed. They didn't have one. So something was better than nothing that night. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a spot show? Was it the old Richmond Fairgrounds? It's the old Friday night house show. A Friday night house show, the Richmond uh, Richmond Fairgrounds. What an yeah. iconic place that was! One of my favorite places oh in all time. <laughs> did, did Angelo die did, on the way to the to the uh, to the show? I don't. I, I think so because Mr. Murdoch said he, he passed away on the way here, and uh, and uh, he had a heart attack uh, right. on the way up there, and I think right. they had to pull over. And, right. And, 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 yeah, and, you and, think he died? <laughs> well, you know, he wasn't dying. He wasn't dead at that time, John. They, uh, they, but when they got, by the time, by the time the hospital got to him, he had, he had done passed away. But Angelo was one. Angelo was the one that introduced me to horse racing. He took me to to Baltimore to what is the frequency there in your hometown, of Baltimore, John? Yeah, that's right. One of the, one of the triple eggs. Uh, uh, yeah, the, one of the triple way when Secretariat was running in, 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 in the race. We saw Secretariat. He taught me how to bet on horses, which I always cussed him out about because I never won like he did. The <laughs> guy got to do his horse. You saw uh, Secretariat run? We saw him run. Yeah, I saw her run. What was her or he? I don't know. It was her. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey uh, Secretary was down here on a farm about uh, 30 miles from my house. Okay, wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. How how long did Secretary live after? Uh, I guess she was probably a two year old, three year old when she won the two year old, yeah. When it won the triple crown, so yeah, it could have been there for almost two decades, right? They made, they must have made a fortune off Secretary. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think Secretary was the the highest uh, what do we call that breeded horse ever in the history of, of thoroughbred racing. <laughs> yeah. So but but like, anyway, but so he was like a horse Rizat. Yeah, he was a horse. He was a horse king, man. So, and as a matter of fact, just a couple of miles, of course, a couple of miles from down my road here, a guy owned a horse uh, called Spandabuck that won two legs of the Triple Crown and come in second and, and a third third leg there. And uh, they, yeah. they they made a fortune. I think uh, back that was back a few years back too, and they they were making the breeding fees were just you know in in a multi millions of dollars for these horses. What a lot these horses have, man, after they win one of those races, man. No yeah. kidding. If only we could be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> John, John was the longest reigning uh, uh, world champion of all time on SmackDown. Just take a hit for Brady feet. Yeah, you think yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you and I could start a business with him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Went after Claire Meredith first. I don't think she would approve. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Have a bunch of pigeon-toed kids that get a lot of heat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
So Earl, there that time was that your job, and you decided this was going to be my job the rest of my life. The wrestling, did you did you really enjoy it, or was it just kind of a, a convenience that this happened and you you needed work? Well, I wanted to do it, but you know Jim Crockett, he didn't pay a lot of money. And when I first started, hell, I was only making fifteen dollars a night. Wow, that's it. That was it. But I was I was doing okay putting the ring up because Mister Murray took care of me. You know what I mean. I mean, uh, him, Carl, and Elliot were, were great people to work for, believe me. But uh, I knew I couldn't make a, a living just doing that, not on $15 a night. And then on top of that, you know, uh, if you if you saw an airport, you were passionate driving from Richmond to Charlotte or Greensboro or Fayetteville. So, you know, you were buying your gas and all that crap. And But it finally worked out. It paying, I hung in there and it finally worked out. So that was good. How long did you actually work for a Mid Atlantic before you, you made that you guys made the move up? I probably worked for them about 12, 15 years. Wow, a long time. You know, now uh, you could take some of that as doing the ring until I got in the referee, but I was there about 15 years with them. Were you still in school then, uh, Earl, or had you graduated from my school? No, I was still in, I was, I was uh, uh, in my senior year. A senior year in high school? Mm hmm. Wow, so was you on TV? Did we do any referees? No, 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 just a just the house, just house right. show. That right. were, were you traveling at that time, or just doing Richmond and and, and Jones territory? So, uh, just doing well. I started like uh, uh, we do uh, up uh, we do uh, Longwood College all up through there, you know, with the I mean, with the Mr. Mernick. I do mostly the Mernick towns. But the, uh, I didn't get to do TVs until probably uh, a year after I started refereeing. Which which one of you guys kind of took to it uh, uh, quicker, you, you or you or Dave? What's that? Which one of you guys kind of took the referee quicker, you or Dave? Or which one I understood was the business quicker? Uh, we, I don't know. We kind of uh, took it. Uh, we we were quick learning, both of us really. Well, Dave was five minutes ahead of you, so he was at least right, five minutes. Right, Dave was five minutes ahead of me. I mean, but, uh, but you, you know, by being twins, we were always, always trying to do each other. Yeah, we right. Be better than the than the. Did you get, Did you guys have contests on see, uh, you know, what was going on the quickest, or uh, you know, who who got the most main events and stuff like that? Um. Well, actually. <clears throat> If Tommy was on the show, uh, you know Tommy's, Tommy's going to have the main event, yeah. Right, right. But uh, and then uh, we were in Baltimore. I'll never forget this. We had a big crowd, and uh, they used both of us. And uh, Ole Anders would make one do one match, and one do the other match. We bought go back and forth, back and forth. I go, man, this is bullshit. But you know, Ole was Ole. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, uh, did the crowd, the crowd, I'm sure the crowd saw you guys setting up the ring, but did, were they aware that there were two of you or what were they, by the end of the night, man, you guys are working your ass off. Here's a beer. Man, this guy's killing himself. He's going back and forth. Yeah. Back and forth. <laughs> He's blown up. <laughs> hey, Earl, how, how did you get the match with, uh, cause I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. Uh, <laughs> how'd you get the match with Magnum TA and Tully? You, you did the I quit match, right? Right. How'd you get that? It was Tommy. I mean, Tommy would normally put himself in those matches, wouldn't he? 
yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess uh, Dusty wanted me to do it. You know, Dusty was, uh, you know, Dusty's the one that really gave me the, 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 the full time job. You know, and he used to call Baby Earl, Baby Earl, listen to me, Baby Earl. And uh, I'll never forget this. We were in Philadelphia, and uh, we had a cage match, and Tommy was there, and uh, Dusty. Uh, Call me and go, baby, I'll come here. I go, yeah. He goes, uh, I'll go put you in a cage match tonight, me and the boss man. And I said, okay, uh, but uh, you got to get color. I go, Dusty, I don't know how to get no damn color. Well, I'll tell you what, baby, we'll go throw you into the cage and you fall right by me and I'll take care of it. I'll get you. <laughs> I said, okay. And Tommy Young went berserk. He goes, what in the hell? I've been in this business all my life. I've never gotten color. That's bullshit. And he and boy, he was so pissed at me for a while. It was unreal. I said, "Well, go tell Dusty. I don't care." I said, "I don't know how to do it. No way. He's gonna do it to me." And uh, man, he was really upset. But uh, <laughs> just opposite the boys, the boys, the boys didn't get cut. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then uh, you know, uh, that's when JJ was uh was his assistant. So JJ was late getting there. And Dusty goes in and he goes, uh, baby, come in. Here's what I want. We sit down, we went over the whole show. And I go, well, Dusty, what about JJ? What are you gonna tell JJ when he comes in? Uh, if JJ comes in, you tell him, uh, come see me. You the man in charge tonight. I go, yeah, I'm not gonna tell him that shit. No. <laughs> So you knew how to get heat right away, right when you're young. Oh, bed. <laughs> oh man, I'm going, man. This ain't working here. <laughs> so how how was JJ's reaction when when JJ finally made it in and said, "Hey, JJ, too late. I'm running the show." Or what was your verbiage to JJ? JJ was the guy that was loved by everybody. Well, to really make it really bad, a heat getter. He goes, uh, "What are we doing, Dream?" He goes, "Go see Baby Earl." <laughs> <laughs> You and, didn't find him that night for being late, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah, I was, hey, I was more nervous telling him what was going on than I was my first match. Well, kind of walk us through that. JJ comes to the building, and you're you're running around delivering finishes. JJ kind of look at you, Earl. Come here, sir. What's going on? Mm, or did you pass the heat over to Dave? I, no, I passed it. <laughs> I passed it back to Dusty. I said, "Here's what Dusty told me. If it, you don't, if it ain't right or something's wrong with it, you, you go see him." I, I bailed myself out of that game. <laughs> that that territory at that time, you, Earl, you were there with the Four Horsemen. You were there with the Magnum TA Nikita. How would you compare those guys as being over as to later factions that we had, like DX and gr groups like that? Well, uh, honestly, uh, Crockett had a gold mine. Believe me, he really did. I, I mean. We would do Greensboro on uh, Saturday and do Charlotte Sunday. And every damn weekend, that thing would sell out. You know, I'm not talking, I'm talking about the old Coliseum now, not the new one. But uh, God knows uh, the talent that he had was so, so gifted. I mean, go back to Wahoo, you know, and, and, and the uh, Bolos and Brute and, and Skull Murphy. I mean, it was just characters that were like, you can't make anymore. It was believable. You know what I mean? And then K-Fabe was uh, uh, 
if you didn't get fave, you, you won't you won't go be around because your ass was gone. They ran a solid territory, but they had solid rules there too. And the guys, the guys knew what the rules were. The guys really lived lived, lived the rules there. But they had a they had a gold mine, like you say. You know that territory was so so rich in tradition. I mean, we go back to like you said, the bolos. You know, the great bolos, the Tom Modesto and Al Lovelock, and you know Becker Weaver. You know Becker and Weaver kind right. of set the standard for that territory for so right. many years. Were you were you setting up the rig during? Becker, uh, Becker Weaver was that way before your time. No, no, I was setting the ring up. Wow. I thought, uh, you know, by me being a mark then, and I probably still am, but uh, uh, when we would put that sleeper hole on, I just yeah. believed, I, I was I was a believer back then. That man gone. He's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a finer guy than Johnny Weaver either, was it? Oh, my God. And uh, uh, another story, this is funny too, while I'm thinking of it. Uh, when uh, Ernie Ladd was here, he he was working with Weaver, you know, and they'd be in the dressing room, and you know how uh, uh, Ernie plays cards, and I'd go in, and uh, I'd say, uh, okay, guys, what are we doing tonight? Ernie be sitting there like this with a toothpick in the ear. He goes, ah, stay what, kid? Come back in a little while. I'll let you know what's going on. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> When, but, when did uh, you and Dave start getting in the card game? Dave was more of the card player than you, wasn't he? No, no, I was. Oh, you were? I, I, yeah. I got you. I thought for some reason, Dave. He's, uh, when well, John and I were identical twins. I don't know if you couldn't tell them apart. That's okay. You know, I couldn't <laughs> either for 20 years. <laughs> you still can't. You're still calling him Dave. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of them had a little bit bigger derby than the other. That's how I could tell them apart. Yeah. I can tell Dave. <laughs> yeah. But, I got uh, the I got the pleasure of separating them in a, in a brother fight up in Canada. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that, Earl. What do you want to remember? Of it? We then, we'll, then, we'll, then we'll get the real story from John. <laughs> yeah, because I was the only one there. I was the only one with him. Was this, 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 was this, this was a legit fight, right? At, oh, at, yeah, yeah. At a truck, at a truck stop or somewhere? Hey, no, no, it was, uh, at, it was at the, a restaurant. It was a, They were sitting restaurant. at a table. Well, the same table. thing. Your restaurant for a truck stop, John. Yeah, right? yeah. They were sitting <laughs> at two sides, and all of a sudden, Earl says something like, you've been messing with me since we were kids, something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, this is about to be a brother fight. And all of a sudden, Earl pops Dave. Dave starts fighting. I'm the only one there. I separate them. I said, Earl, that's your brother. You can't be doing that. And Earl goes, I'm sorry, John. And when I looked down, he popped him again. <laughs> Dave how, do you, how do you remember that, Earl? No, wait a minute. Dave pulled the knife. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, Dave pulled the knife. And now I'm sitting here with a brother fight. One's brother has got a knife. And the other brother just won't stop fighting. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrible. What a disaster. I don't know what to do. Because I knew at some point they're brothers and they're going to turn on me. I don't know how that's why how it's like that's going to happen. Mm. Is that how you remember it, Earl? Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, I think David was an agent then, I think, John. I'm not 100% sure. He was. Yeah, yeah, he was. And uh, he was telling me he was ordering me around. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't exactly remember how it was, but anyway, we got to arguing over that about something I did in the ring he didn't like or some shit, and uh, I went off on him. 
They pulled a butter knife on you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the best part was Jerry was I, I got I got Earl settled down, and now I'm like, okay, fine. And I, and as soon as I look down and go to sit back down, Earl punches him again, and now they got to fight again. Earl was just waiting for the opportunity to keep fighting, <laughs> and he suckered me into it. He goes, okay, I'm sorry, John. Go, okay, fine. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Out comes the butter knife. <laughs> All and and it was in Canada. Wow. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. I, 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 I know my fighting over the blue checks. Yeah, <laughs> I know my brother and I were in, in a lot, of, a lot of brotherly fights along the way. Did did you and Earl get into a few fights other than that along your, your lifetime? Not, yeah, uh, now and then, but not. It, it, you know, it, it wasn't a whole lot. It, yeah. You know, just now and then. Yeah. We we had uh, your son Brian on, you know, who refereed so many of my matches. And the one thing he asked was, he goes, tell me about the brother fight. <laughs> I was there. I was the only one there. Hey, I did his uh, podcast last night with him. And he, he called me up and he uh, he asked me what I come on. It. He had Ken Patera on it last night. And I said, sure. And man, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had Kenny on it. Kenny, Kenny was a lot of fun when we had him on our show. He, he was a good guy, sir. I was going to, I was going to rib with him. I, I was going to tell him I, I heard you bought a franchise in McDonald's, but you call it Slap Burger. <laughs> but, I, but I, but I didn't want to stop no shit. <laughs> I didn't want to start nothing with yeah. him. <laughs> well, you're 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 a thousand miles away. You've been pretty safe. Yeah, I don't think he can throw a rock that far. Right, right. But he might be able to hire uh, hire an uh, ex employee at McDonald's to come over and throw it through your window. <laughs> you, you never know about this business. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like the version that the boys tell each other. Sometimes they're going like, "That's the version you tell at home. Yeah. You can tell us the truth because yeah. <laughs> we we're not believing you." <laughs> you had to love having. I would get back. It love having your son in, in the business uh, with you, Earl. When, when Brian it, was, it, it was great. Uh, you know, uh, uh, he was sort of like me he, uh, growing up. He loved the business. He wanted to do it and this, that, and the other. And uh, if I'd have known he was going to be better than me, I'd never got him in there. But, uh, <laughs> but he's, uh, but uh, it was really, uh, it's something that I got to do and that I love. And most brothers or twins never get to do the deals that David and I did and uh, Brian did. It's sort of, uh, well, it was a family affair, but it, it, you know, a lot of people will never get that opportunity, you know, and it was just, it made me, made me feel great that to see my son doing a, a good job now, and you got a lot of referees that do a good job too, but the rest of them all my son, but, but, but Brian was a hustler. He wanted it. And, I picked him to death when he first got there. I uh, I told him when I said, Brian, come here for a minute. He goes, yeah, Dad. I said, uh, you counted to three, but how'd you see the guy's shoulders when you had your head up his ass? He goes, oh, you're never satisfied. I said, no, it's not that. I, I want you to be good. I want you to know what you do wrong. Well, okay, okay. But I gave him hell, and but he turned out good. When Brian first started, who who did he go to the most? Was it was it Earl or was it Dave or was it you that he was hounding the most to get in the business? Me. You. Yeah. 
he was a good referee. I'm a really good referee. I always enjoy being out there with him. I mean, you know, because you, you need a good referee that's smart. Right. And Brian and Brian's a very smart guy because you, you got to sometimes you got to relay messages on the fly. You know, when you're calling stuff out there or something goes wrong and, and, all, and they got to know they got to take it right then and right. relay it correctly. It's, right. it's not it's not always an easy job, especially when you're calling so much in the ring. When you're calling so much in the ring, it, the referee is is really important. Right. Now, K- Katie's been working out with uh, AEW, and uh, she's going down to Florida in a couple weeks to uh, do a taping. So I hope everything will work out good for her. So That's your daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was wrestling, but she cracked a bone in her back a while back. And I wanted her to be a referee to begin with, but you know, everybody wants to do their own thing. So I let, you know, it's fine with me, whatever she wants, what makes her happy. But, uh, you know, so if that works out, we'll have uh, another Hebner in the business. I know that'll be awesome. You can't have enough Hebner's in the business. I, think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Earl, how did you and Dave end up going to WWE from uh, Crockett? All right. George Scott was a booker for Crockett. Okay. And somehow or another, he, he was, he, he loved David. He liked David. So when they hired George to go up there to be the booker, he took David with him. That's how David got there. And then, you know, like when we did the twin deal, then, then that's how I got there. How long had Dave been up there before you did the twin deal? Oh, David was up there. Well, David was up there for 30 years. I was up there 17. Wow. So he was up there 10, 13 years before. And Dave was there. In other words, Dave was there in the beginning when when the WWE first started going going national and globally, right? Right, right. Because George was the the first booker. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. But uh, let me tell you the little deal on the Crockett deal here. Uh, Sandy was ahead of uh, the rings and all the other shit, you know. And uh, so when I got the uh, when I got to deal with uh, WWF, I called him up and I said, "Sandy, I'm gonna be leaving." And uh, but uh, I said, uh, "You'll have the ring crew. I'm leaving the ring crew here." And I'm selling him the bus that I'm carrying the ring in. So your ring crew, you'll still have, you know. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm going up to uh, work for Vince. Well, no, you you can't do that. And once in a while, me and Sandy would have hit our heads together and have a. Now, this is Sandy Scott, for those that don't know, whose brother was George Scott, right? Right, right. You know, and. uh, he kept saying, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Finally, I said, Sandy, I don't know, but if you can't fucking understand English, I'm leaving. I'm going up there because I, you know, I never made that much money in my life till I got there and I left. But Sandy was, man, you can't do this to me. You're letting me down, whatever. And I go, I got to go, man. So I left. I was reading. I was reading in, in, in one of your your interviews where where uh, Dave was up there, like you say, and Dave called you and they said, uh, 
they want you to come up here too. And so they flew, flew you and Dave up together a couple of times. But tell us about those first meetings and your impression and your mindset about what, what this guy was presenting to you. Did you think he was crazy as hell? Because a lot of us did. Or did you think, man, this guy is a visionary. This guy is going to go place. What, what were your thoughts in your first meeting? And how did those, how did those meetings take place? Well, we went up there and, uh, the guy took us, uh, to his uh, house at first. We stayed there at the house. And he picked us up in the limo and took us back to the office. And hell, I, I don't think I've ever rode in a limo my whole life. <laughs> so uh, we got to the office and we went in this big ass room, which y'all know. And uh, we sit there and uh, Vince came in and he sat down and talked to us. Now, this is I'm trying to interrupt. This is even before the tower. This is back in Summer Street office, right? The, the no, house. no, this this was the tower. This was the tower, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was. I'm trying to think. Well, it don't matter. Oh uh, yeah. Now, hello, Joey. I'm getting old now. <laughs> but anyway, so we sat there and Vince came in and talked to us and blah 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 blah. And uh I was telling David, and 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 I said, you know, I I, I kind of hate to leave uh, uh, the NWA, you know, uh, I, I I just hate leaving them. And David said, "Are you nuts?" And I go, "What do you mean?" I said, "You're gonna make some good money here." And I go, "Well, I I, I know David, but I you know I just hate letting them down." So anyway, at he said, well, now I, I, I was undecided. I said, well, I don't know. Let me, I got to think about it. So uh, Vince said, well, okay, you guys think about it. We'll bring you up in a couple couple more days. We'll go, you know, next week we'll bring you back up again and we'll uh, figure what we'll go do. So I said, okay. We said, okay. So the, uh, after Vince leaves, this lady comes in and she gives us an envelope. Okay. And I'm thinking, damn. And I said, well, what's this for? She said, that's for uh, for your services. Vince said, that's for your services for the day. So I, I said, oh, okay. So I opened my envelope. I looked at it. I said, holy shit, this is more than Crockett paid me all last year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, said, uh, I looked at Dave. I said, I'll take the job. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. All of a sudden, you didn't feel so bad anymore. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you noticing, you know, during that, during that lead up to that visit, though, that Dave's lifestyle was kind of changing a little bit, that he was kind of up, upgrading himself in certain areas, or was Dave the Dave that we all know, frugal guy, and didn't really let on what, what he was making during that time? Or was you aware that Dave was making huge money? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, why didn't nobody think about this before? You got twin referees. You're both referee and you're refereeing in two different territories. That just seems crazy to me that somebody wouldn't think about something like that. Was this never pitched to you before anything like this? Well, no. Uh, and, and I think if I'm not mistaken, when they were doing all this, figuring out this, that, and the other, uh, David told Vince, he said, I got a twin brother. And that's had uh, happened. So I understand now, you know, because they were saying, man, we got to make an imposter. We got to make somebody look like Dave. And then Dave said, I'm, I got a twin brother. Yeah, I got to do one of you better. 
one better. <laughs> they were actually looking for somebody that looked like Dave. Yeah, or make them, you know, make a make a mole or a face or some shit, whatever they, you know. And then he said, David said, I got a twin brother. And back then, Ben said, fly him up. <laughs> so they had this idea before they realized you guys were twins. Right. So on your first visit with Vince, did he bring anything like that up? Or did he just tell you he wanted your services to come on up? Yeah, he said, uh, David came home and said, Vince wants to fly us up. Uh, I think two days after David got home, he said, Vince wants to fly us up. and. Uh, Boom, it was done so quick, it was unreal. And then after we, uh, you know, like I said, after the, after all met envelope, I go, you damn right, I'll take this job. <laughs> A nice envelope, huh? <laughs> oh, man. So was the storyline pitched to you right away? Yeah. yeah. That was the whole idea with Hogan and all that was uh, right, right away. Well, they knew what they wanted and then they knew what they wanted to do. And I guess, uh, uh, JBL, they, they put it together, you know, after knowing they, they had two twins then they could go ahead and, and do what they wanted to do, you know? And then, uh, after that, about a week later, we flew up to, uh, Connecticut or Stanford and, uh, we stayed in a hotel across the street, which y'all know that too. And we practiced for three days. And then we went home and we came back again. We practiced for two or three days and getting it all together. And uh, that was about it. But we, we did it where there was nobody around to see us uh, except it was uh, Pat Patterson, Vince, Andre, uh, Hogan, Terry Garvin, And I think that's about it. I, I know you're a nervous guy. What, what was your nerve like during during those auditions? You know, and uh, and I'm, I'm sure you were sworn to secrecy. I mean, it, it had to it had to be really raging through your your mind at the time. Man, just being there and seeing that operation from what I was used to, it it, it was just unreal for me. You know what I mean? That, that's the thing, Earl, that a lot of us, you know, old timers are really were amazed at. I mean, we were, we were used to what we thought were really, really, you know, state-of-the-art facilities and stuff like that. But we were so archaic, you know, and doing studio wrestling and all this stuff. Right. All of a sudden, you go up there and here's this plush office. Here's this guy in a three-piece business suit sitting there instead of, you know, overalls and an old hillbilly sitting across from right. trying to explain what you're doing. And all of a sudden... Man, you start, man, this is big time. This is this is you know what what a difference in cultural. It's a cultural shock to a lot of us old old southern boys that had ever ever seen anything like was your mind racing just like mine was when I first went up there. Man, I was going uh it's like you said, Jerry, when I worked for Crockett, uh, that was to me in uh, number one yeah. Number one, there was nobody was, better. You're right. Right, exactly. You know that was it, man. That was that that was unbelievable. Then when I went up there and saw what they had, I went, "Holy shit!" I, I, you know, I can't believe this. You know what I mean? And I was already at a great company with what I thought was great, uh, you know, everything, and got there, and it was unreal. And I'm going, man, this is unreal. 
But yeah, uh, I think almost everybody goes through that, uh, especially back in the day. You know, you, right. you work places and you work on top a lot of places, but then you get there and you're like, oh my God, this, right. this is a different level. I, I was uh, with did TVs in Charlotte and in, 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 in Briscoe knows this too, in the warehouse. And when it comes lunchtime, you grab a KFC fried chicken leg and a biscuit and a drink and you ate that shit and then you went back to work. <laughs> And uh, the catering down there, good God, it's, it's like a, 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 a <laughs> restaurant, you know what I mean? And that was the difference from there to here and, and everything, you know, that was the difference in, I guess, big time and little time. Did you know when you went up there that how big this storyline was going to be? No. <laughs> Not when at all. When did you start realizing, I mean, that, because people now – how many ever years later, decades later, remember this like it was yesterday. It's that okay. big of a deal. When did you start realizing during the time that this is something people are going to notice? Uh, well, I, when we were doing all the practicing and everything, I knew it was a big deal. Okay. But when I walked in to Indianapolis in that building and I walked up and I looked around that building and it, and that damn thing was sold out before it ever got people in it, I'm looking, oh my God. And I went right to Vince's office and stayed in there the whole day, never come out. And David was out walking around, of course, you know. But when I walked in, everybody goes, hey, Dave, hey, Dave. I go, hey, hey, how y'all doing? And I just keep going, you know. Uh, that, and, so the uh, talent town, town hadn't figured it out really either. <laughs> that, that's that's <laughs> it's, it's amazing that this thing was kept kayfabe that long and nobody got, knew about it honestly god i thought it would never work but it did and what was the fallout right away from it like how was the heat how was all that stuff in there what was what was it like being out there let me tell you what this is the truth that was a, my first crowd that i had ever worked in front of that many people and i was nervous as hell okay i really and and man i was just like a zombie in there looking around on all these people and knowing what I was going to do, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay. And, uh, I, I, this, <laughs> this is the truth. I was so nervous that when I kicked David, I, I knocked myself down. That's a, that's a, I, I stiffed the hell out of him, oh. the punch and the kick. Okay. <laughs> then when Hogan picked me up at the, practice Hogan would just walk to the ropes and boom here you go guys you know a lot of normal deal and when he picked me up and started running I go uh-uh this ain't the program here this this ain't the plan this ain't the plan and when he when he launched me brother I was gone you guys didn't rehearse that back in Connecticut at all then man no he just picked me up and took me to the ropes and said I'm gonna just dump you right here uh-huh. boom I said okay because everybody be standing you know by the ring and they'd catch me and when he started running, I you could you could feel the adrenaline through those. <laughs> when he started running, I knew this wasn't the plan. And when he <laughs> shot me, boom, I was gone. And and you know I I, I you know I messed my rotor cup up, and I flew home at next next day, and I couldn't move my arm. And I told him, and two days later they flew me to Birmingham. Oh God, X rays. I'm sorry. And then uh, they flew me to Birmingham and Dr. Andrews operated on me and put it all back together because my rotor cup had split. 
Now, when this happened, was your, was your phone, I mean, we didn't have cell phones back at that time, obviously, but was your home phone ringing off the hook? Or what the hell? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was worse than Montreal. Well, <laughs> nothing's going to be worse than Montreal. <laughs> But, I don't know but, what you're talking about there. <laughs> but 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 this is uh this is uh that was unreal. I mean, all over the news, it was on. The, I'd watch it on the TV. On, oh, the on your local news, but was your local news media coming out awesome. <laughs> Hogan cut the greatest promo. How much did it cost? All the plastic surgery. How much did it cost? It was <laughs> it was so good. Oh, it was great. And then, uh, but did you, you guys are identical twins? Did did Dave catch shit going around the country thinking that it was you? No, he put all the heat on me. My, <laughs> my brother, my brother did it. I'd have never done that. I didn't know he was there. I didn't know he was going to do that. It was, it was so Dave lived wait, up to wait, the storyline. You, you did yeah. get sent to Vietnam. Yeah, that's that's what. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's payback. So, uh, so which one do you 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 tore your rotator cup? Was Dave hurt during that little melee too, or just no, you? This is real. Well, I kicked the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been fun kicking the shit out of your brother there like that. Oh. <laughs> and especially all those people going wild there, and you know, here's here's your chance to pay back for all that five minute uh, harassment they give you. Right. <laughs> Here's that butter knife you had. Boom. <laughs> so how did it work after that? Because you end up staying. Dave ends up staying. But they get his kind of storyline, kind of got rid of it so that you could stay and not be just the heel referee. Well, what it was, uh, you know, back then we were running two towns, A and a B, right? So we, we I'd go to the A or B. We'd, you know, one or the other would go, you know, to the towns. We wouldn't be together, but uh, we still got heat. They they still didn't be believe David was David, and uh, they <laughs> they believed that, uh, David was Earl. Earl was Earl. Period. It was two Earls. Did you ever try <laughs> to pass yourself off as David? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I said I'm David. Earl's the one that did this shit, not me. I'd always say that. <laughs> So, but after that, after that, they, you end up staying. That then Dave, did Dave then go back into to an office role? Yeah, then, then they made him agent. Right. Yeah, because yeah. I, he and uh, Scullin and Lanza, that was a, that was a great crew. That, oh yeah, that during that time. I remember one time we got, uh, uh, oh, Captain Lou Albano. Uh, we got Scalin so worked up, we had to actually pull him back into the garden one time because we told him we told him Lou was going to beat him up, and Arnie finally got so worked up, he went <laughs> looking for Lou, and we're like, "Oh my goodness, we've gone too far." <laughs> we had to go grab Arnie and smarten him up. <laughs> he was great. He and Lanza, what a great, what a great crew uh, that was. Lanza was the best. Yeah. Jack, Jack, Jack just had that way of getting along with everybody. Body. And still maintaining that respect level that you needed in that position, and and people respected Jack so much that they never never really took advantage of his kindness. And Jack was one of those guys that would you know, as long as you didn't embarrass yourself or embarrass the company, you know, you're you're all right with Jack. Right. If you, Jack, you know what Jack was all business, and guys knew 
that how far they could push him because he was always good to everybody, just as good as he could be. But if you crossed him, you're in trouble. And he had a, the boys really respected Jack like no tomorrow. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, across the board respect for Lanza. Right. Right. Exactly. He just he carried himself so well. I mean, he was just, and he's a really smart guy. How about that damn? How about that blackboard? Uh, pad pad board he have. God damn it! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the best. The one thing you hated to see was he go. Yep. <laughs> Motioning you over while he's smoking that cigarette. You're going. Uh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> and he has a, he has the longest damn fingers in the world. Oh my god! <laughs> his hands were almost as big as Andre's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when yeah. he watched you over with that finger, yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was like your dad. Yeah. You got caught shoplifting or something. Oh, crap! <laughs> Sounds like you had a little experience with that. Uh, you Doc. think? <laughs> <laughs> he told hey, me. I can, Jack, I can hear Jack now. Dad. Damn Bradshaw! Where do he get back here? Where do he get back here? <laughs> when I when I stole the hotel van in Winnipeg, he <laughs> he pulled me in the shower and and he's mad at me. He's mad at me mainly because I screwed I'm screwing up his hotel deal that he had had for twenty years because that was the hotel van for that hotel. So they Jack probably paid like twenty dollars Canadian for his room, something like that. <laughs> he called me in there and he looked at me and goes. You're a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no, I I said, yes, sir. I am. I have no excuse. <laughs> and he goes, I'm gonna find you $250. I said, I deserve it. And he goes, All right, go. And then then he didn't find me. I actually went out with him later that night. And <laughs> I guess because I I actually just ate it and yeah. <laughs> You didn't. Hey, you didn't fight the situation. You you knew you were guilty. <laughs> That's right. I knew. I knew a hundred percent. I was guilty, and I I had no argument. I was, he, when he says you're a dumbass, and yes, sir, I am. I <laughs> I, I agree with you. <laughs> and it threw him also. He was in there with your brother Dave because he had to pull me in there to reprimand me for stealing the van. <laughs> Where were you ever along with? That, was that any of those ribs like that, Earl, with uh, JBL and uh, his crew that was ribbing all the time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the guys, as you know, referee are, are, are rib each other all the time. But the referees kind of, when their circle kind of rib each other back and forth, what are some of the great ribs in that? Oh, yeah. They, they would, uh, someone would take their uh, shoes to tie knots in them and so they couldn't get them undone. Uh, and shit like that, you know, no, nothing really major physically. It was just a joke, a rib. Yeah. Or you take your referee shirt and hide it. And then when it was time to get dressed, you couldn't find it. Or I'd be in the shower soaking wet or whatever. Yeah. You and Dave obviously traveled together a lot. Who, who were your other traveling mates uh, that, uh, during that time? It, it was mostly me, Dave, and Jack. And then when Jack won't work it, it'd be me and David and George. And and I think the trainer was with us too, now and then. Uh, who was what? Frenchy? What was that guy? Frenchy? Doc Frenchy? The big fat one. <laughs> we can't say that on TV anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, the heavy fat one. <laughs> okay. Speaking of heavy, the biggest rib was Chimmel. 
just having oh. Chimel anywhere. <laughs> hey, uh, let me tell you this, Joe. We were in Houston, Texas. It's the same Houston building. Ahmed Johnson was the champion then. Uh, Owen went up to the music uh, thing and he put Hogan's music in. <laughs> and when they announced the world heavyweight champion, Ahmed Johnson, they hit Hogan's music and Jack went crazy. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> That's one of the things I'll never forget. <laughs> Lanza told me one time I was sitting there because I, I love Jack, you know, and <laughs> even when he had to get on to me, but I always loved it. And he goes, where's Owen? And I said, Jack, I don't know. He goes, go get him. His music's playing. So I went and I finally found a payphone uh, bank backstage and I found Owen on the payphone calling somebody. <laughs> And his music is playing. He can barely hear the person on the phone. He knows his music's playing. He has to. So I'm sitting there and I go, Owen, um, your music's playing. And he goes, oh, yeah, sorry. He goes, hey, I got to go. He goes, when did that happen? And he goes right back to the phone. <laughs> Owen, Owen, Jack's going to kill me if you don't come. You got to go now. <laughs> Owen was awesome. What a guy. The biggest forever in the business. I don't think he ever brought, I don't think he ever rented a rental car and God knows how many people he stayed with for free. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Owen, Owen used to love staying with fans. He'd stay with fans all over the place. He used to love to see how much money he could save. Mm -hmm. It's like a big rip. Davy boy used to register under a fake name. So Owen couldn't find him. <laughs> so Davy was scared of Owen ribbing him because Owen ribbed him all the time because everybody else ran from Owen. Mm. <laughs> It was such a great crew. Uh, and I used to watch your matches you'd have. I remember when uh, Triple H would be out there and, you know, with somebody that wasn't such a great worker, he had, he had half his match with you. Uh, <laughs> he would. Y'all do a push spot. You'd hit the ropes, hit the push spot on Triple H. you go flying and everybody pop. And <laughs> it was great. I tell you, uh, really, truly, uh, uh, back then, when it was uh, WWF, we uh, those guys just put me over so much. Uh, Flair and all of them. I mean, they made me the the superstar that I am. From what they gave me to do in the ring, well, you know, Solo, Solo, let me hit Posse. <laughs> yeah, Earl, you 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 and Dave both were such tremendous guys, and that's the reason the, the amount of respect that you guys earned earned it to, 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 to do that. Guys just don't do that with everybody. They do it with guys that earn the respect backstage and and earn the respect in front of the crowd too. Which you, you you had command when you went out to the ring, and that's something that your brother and yourself worked on real hard. I know was to make everything, because you come from a school of, of trying to make it legitimate, trying to make it people believe what you're doing are real. And that it, it was hard to do, uh, Todd, in, in our business, but you guys worked your butts off. So, you know, the, the job brought that up with you and Triple H. I've forgotten all about that, but that, that was some of the highlights of the night in those dark matches and those yeah. house show matches. You, you and Triple H going at it out there. I mean, just having fun and the people buying yeah. every minute of it, you know. That had to make you feel good to be in that position to do that. Oh my God, we we were somewhere. You got to go back and look at it. But uh, I was in the ring with uh, Triple H, and 
we did a little push spot. I kicked him, kicked him, kicked him. He fell out. Here comes Billy. Here comes uh, X-Pot. Here comes Road Dog. And I'm looking at them, and they're running. They're going, hit me, hit me, hit me. I, I go, what? Hit me, hit me. Boom. Now one down, the other one come up. Boom. I mean, that's the lucky things that these guys gave me in this business. You know, they gave me so much of it, it's unreal. It wasn't me. It was them that made me. You know, well, there, there was a respect that you had, though, Earl, that that, yeah. that allowed that to happen. You know, I mean, yeah. the re ordinary referees, you don't see it happen to them, all those guys, right? The ones that really earned the respect, they right. trusted you and knew that you weren't trying to outside them, and that's the reason they get put you in that position. Right. Hey, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a good one, Jerry. You talk about respect and love of the boys uh, for Earl, which is all true. We're in the garden one time, and I, th I think it's me, Ron, and Rock. I think that's who it was because Rock is up on the, the turnbuckle doing his gimmick and DX is outside. I don't know if it's all of DX, but I know it was Billy and, and Road Dog because they factor into this pretty quick. Some guy jumps the rail and tries to get into the ring, you know, and me and Ron are sitting there waiting on the guy. He's dead me because you know, the guy's got to climb through the ropes. He gives you his head. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to, this doesn't end well. So security grabs him and he, gra and he drags security all over ringside. All over ringside. And so finally, Billy Gunn goes over there, grabs him, leg sweeps him, takes him down, and goes, okay, get him out of here. When Billy lets him go, he drags security around ringside again. So all this is going on during Rock's pose, and Rock's getting mad because every, obviously everything's getting ruined. This is the main event in Madison Square Garden. Billy goes and grabs him again. They have big, strong hands of Billy, grabs him, leg sweeps him, takes him down, and goes, get him out of here. So finally, he gets up. They drag security around again. Earl climbs out of the ring, walks over there, and goes, "Wham!" <laughs> Blood goes everywhere, and he goes, "Will you get him out of here?" <laughs> and now the guy's like, "Oh, oh my nose!" Mm. Well, that, that was something that. Go he ahead. hit him so hard. He hit him so hard. And there was so much blood that Road Dog is standing beside him. And Road Dog, I guess, had gotten an altercation with a fan or something. It was like <coughs> some legal proceeding or something. Road Dog goes, I didn't do anything. I did nothing. I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's laid on the ground, blood everywhere. <laughs> and that, that, again, is some of the respect that the Hammers had. Because neither one of them, when, when fans would enter that ring, neither one of them were afraid to pop a guy and, I've seen many, many times both uh, of them that turn, just turn it so casually, like nothing, nothing was to it. Just turn, oh, okay, oh, pop up the guy, go down <laughs> out, out of the rope, you know, they just continue on with the match like nothing ever happened. Oh, this right. little slide in, or, or oh, we'll go, you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brian, hey, Brian took after his dad. We're, we're sitting there one time, we're like somewhere in the Southwest, and I, it's, it's a huge Latino crowd, and I'm wrestling Eddie Guerrero. Soon as I get into the ring, start the match with Eddie, a fan tries to get to me. When he does, Eddie gets mad and goes after the fan. So I, I, I double leg Eddie and I'm holding Eddie down. I'm going, Eddie, you're the baby face. I, I'm really the one that needs to handle this. And Eddie's <laughs> mad because this guy had screwed up the match. Well, the guy is trying to get into the ring. Well, Earl's boy, Brian, goes over there and turns into Ray Guy or Pat McAfee. <laughs> and, <laughs> and punched this guy's head off his shoulders. It was, oh, my goodness. It, 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 it didn't end well for the guy. <laughs> it's good to be in the ring with a Hebner. You're very yeah. safe. <laughs>
so so when security drug them to the back now now it's just uh now that they got all security back there and they they beat that's back in the day where they beat him up pretty bad you know beat up the guy pretty bad and i get on the microphone and i said listen anybody else wants to come over that rail i'll beat up this entire arena and so i threw down i threw down the microphone and brian looks at me and goes what are you doing? That's the <laughs> dumbest thing I ever heard. I said, you watch my back. I'll watch yours. He goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the Hebrews weren't afraid to speak the truth there, John. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's safe to be in the ring with the Hebrews. So, so tell you, we, we got to ask you before you go, we got to ask you about Jerry screwing Brett uh up up in montreal because this was all jerry hey, in our post meeting you said you weren't gonna bury me john <laughs> <laughs> so earl i don't know if this had anything to do it I, I was there that night and you and uh dave used to always get your beer and stuff you know <clears> for the car and stuff and i don't remember it was you or dave but one of you had your bags in the uh, dressing room and i remember asking tim white is anything going to happen tonight and tim had no idea he goes i not that I know of, kid. I go, okay. So I saw you guys move your bags. And I said, what's up? Uh, I, I can't remember if it was Earl. I remember it was you or Dave. And I said, what's up, Dave Earl? Oh, just moving our bags and get, get them into the car. So I didn't know if that was <laughs> you guys had just found out or not. But it all seemed uh, very suspicious. Do so, you really want me to tell you? Yes. Do you want me to bury Briscoe? Yes. Yes. I want you to bury Briscoe. <laughs> huh? Yes. Go ahead. I won't be the first time I've been buried. <laughs> I love Briscoe. I love you to death. You know I know you do, brother. I love you too. But it but, is all his fault. But when Briscoe gave me the news, the number one man other than Vince McMahon, I told my brother, get my shit together. I, I, when Briscoe was talking to me, he laid it out. And I go, I don't know. I just don't know. Briscoe disarm, Briscoe graphic. What do you mean you don't know? He's got $3 million contract down there. Is he going to give you any of it? What are you going to do? I go, I don't know, Jerry. <laughs> Bless his heart. And I go, man, what is, why, what, whatever, you know? I'm going nuts now. But uh, Briscoe, uh, <laughs> Still got the bruise on my arm. <laughs> you just did it to yourself so you could tell this damn story. So when Dave came to get your stuff, you had just told him. Yeah, I said, get the car ready. This is okay, all. Okay, because I was up. in the locker room and I'm I remember, you know, after the fact you realize what happened, but I didn't realize at the time. I said, What are you guys doing, Dave? And I saw him getting all the stuff together. And he goes, Oh, no, just getting ready so we can get out before the crowd. I didn't realize <laughs> that Jerry had already pulled this master plan. Oh. And I'm going. Okay, okay, here's what really happened. Earl was getting ready to come to the ring, and I, I, I know the Hebner's uh, uh, routine. They're the first ones out of the building. I mean, they could be on the, the after show and still be the first ones out <laughs> of the right. building because they had those ways of getting out. So uh, I went. To, Earl was getting ready to start the match. We're making all the introductions and everything. I called Earl those back stairs there. And I laid it out to him, you know, and basically what Earl said, you know, and, I, and all that. And so, uh, and I, you know, I said, Earl, I said, you know, you, you got a good job. You're making good money, you know, the, the office is dependent on you because they know they can trust you. 
we couldn't go to anybody else to, to, to make this happen and everything. I said, you might want to have uh, uh, Dave get to get your baggies and have the car started and turned around and headed out of the building. Because <laughs> if you remember Montreal, that parking lot down down on the floor below the arena there, I mean, it was a jungle down there trying to get your car out, even on a good night, you know. So I didn't want them to get caught up in all, all the stuff there. But uh, Earl, 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 about for the first guy I got out of the ring was who, baby Earl? Me. Was you. <laughs> Come to you, and I walked you to the back. I passed you off to your brother and whoever else was in your car, and I said, get out of here. Right. And you guys took off, you know. Right. So we made, I made sure you were the first one out safely, so. Always looking after you. It's under all but you know, it is what it is. Hey, Earl, what what were you thinking at the time? I mean, this had to be one of the craziest things ever told to you. Well, the bad <laughs> thing was the bad thing was when we when we left uh, Ottawa to come to Montreal. Brett brought me a first class seat on uh, Air Canada. Right? He's talking to me. He goes, "You won't count me out, will you?" I go, "No." I didn't count him out. <laughs> if you go back and look, <laughs> but uh, and I'm thinking, oh my god, and it, that was probably one of the stressful things I've ever done in my life. At that Matt, at, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Like Jerry said, I was on my way to the ring, and you know, you got it's like <laughs> it's like your music playing. You're standing there like Owen Hart. Got to go. And it was, it was, it was horrible. That ring, walking to that ring felt like 10 miles away. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It was, it was. Earl, I got to ask, were there any doubts in your mind as you're walking to the ring? Am I going to do this or did, was you, was you pretty well? That's, I was pretty, that's what you told me you were going to do it. I was pretty well zeroed in. I was going to do it. Because, you know, the bad thing, you, you stop and think about this. You're only the person who made you, okay? You got 40 guys that you've wrestled, and they put you over and made you who you are. So regardless, if you're going down to the WCW with the belt, like Launder Blaze, you're going to throw it in the trash can, and then you're going to, you're going to hurt everybody's feelings. Or you're going to mess up everybody that's helped you be who you are. And I felt like, honestly, after talking to you and you talking to me, he was robbing the roster. He didn't care about nobody, in a sense, from what he wanted to do, what he could have done. And it was, it was just, he, he, was, he was hurting everybody. And I couldn't see everybody, letting everybody down. You know what I mean? And it would, like you said, you you gave me the the deal, and I had to go. I had to go forward to protect not only the company but the boys. And that's my thoughts of it. A, a lot of you know that that time was such a crazy time. We're losing to WCW at that time. Right. If we, if we lose Brett, which we're already losing, this great champion, we're, which we're losing, which scared me to death losing Brett. I'd, I'd never seen guys leave a territory. I remember Lanza was the one that kind of pulled me aside, and I said, I've never seen anything like this. I said, are we in trouble? 
He said, nah, we lost Hogan before we lost Warren before. He said, that guy, he pointed to Vince. He goes, he'll figure it out. And uh, which made me feel a lot better. But if you lose Brett and the championship, I mean, that that's a huge blow, you know, that uh, it's going to be really tough to recover. Uh, right. from. You know, it's, it's such a, it's such a, a weird times and such a weird dynamic of, of what was happening and what was going on with the dynamic between Brett and Sean that, that Brett didn't want to lose to Sean in, in his home country. You know, it was, right. it, was, it was a very unique time in history. Right. It was. But and did you have an earpiece in, or did you know when the, the like the reverse sharpshooter was put on? Did do you know then, or did you have an earpiece in to ring Briscoe, it? Briscoe told me when he gets the, when it, <laughs> Briscoe told me when he puts the sharpshooter on, wait three, three to five seconds and ring the bell. <laughs> and now they didn't even, my, I, I, I just, you, I waited three to five seconds and rung your bell. And Jerry, what were your thoughts? I mean, you're the one that had to talk to Earl. You're the one that had to convince him and lay well, out a plan for it, everything. I, well, uh, you read history, and I, I, it sounds like I wasn't even there half the time because so many people take credit for this day, and I'm glad they do because I don't want credit for it. You know, so, uh, but talk, talking to baby Earl, I mean, it was one of the hardest conversations I ever had to talk to a talent about because I mean, I, you know, there were doubts in my mind if if we were doing the right thing because I'm an old traditionalist, you know, but also, also, you know, one of my biggest thoughts was, you know, Stu Hart had a territory. What would Stu Hart do if this was happening in his territory? And I kind of uh, threw that 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 out and tried to analyze that in my mind. Or what what would we, Eddie Graham do? Or what would Jim Crockett do? You know, you know, and, and you, you can't let your, your champion walk out with a title and with no guarantees that you know, it's, it's going to be returned to you. So talking, talking to Earl, and I could see the, the look in Earl's face, the panic in his face, and I'm sure he saw the panic in my face too because it wasn't an easy easy job to do or on either side of the deal. But I tell you what, I know the Hebbers like I knew, and that's the reason Abraham picked for this. I know the Hebbers like I knew, I knew that, that, that they were company guys. I knew they would do what that was best for the business at that moment. Now, and 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 what they what we've what we presented to them. And I had no doubt in my mind that he was the best guy to to carry this thing out. And Earl was was the best one to do it. I mean, Timmy White, God bless his soul. Timmy, Timmy could have done it, but Timmy, Timmy would have been a fool because Timmy was such an office guy. It's such so loyal to the business. Just a, you know. Something would have been suspected. We'd pulled Earl out, put Timmy in. I mean, everybody in the, in the world would have known something was coming down, you know. So uh, we really had no choices. If, if Earl would have told me no, honestly, I don't know what the hell I would have done. I probably got on the bus. I probably would have got down and got, got, got the next flight of stairs, got in the car with, with Dave and told him to get, get me out of the building. Because <laughs> hey, I wouldn't hey. want to see Vince afterward. But it it was it was tough, but uh, when Earl Earl nodded his head and uh, said, "I'll do it," because I, I, I point blank, I put looked at Earl right now. I said, "Tell me, Earl, tell me the damn truth. Are you going to do it, or you're not going to do it? You got a choice right now." He looked me right square in the air, eyes, and said, "Mr. Briscoe, I'll do it just like that." Right, Earl? Right. But let me say this too. This is the truth too. Okay, if it had, and I'm not saying this just because of you, Jerry. Believe me, but I'm saying this because of all the years I've been around you and your brother 
And I don't think anybody there could have told me what you told me and I'd have went along with it. Because in, truthfully in my heart, you were the person that was picked for this special as far as making me do what I did or making my mind up to do what I did because any any other agent, I don't think I would have really taken it to heart to do it is, is the way you t gave it to me and the person that you are to me and been around me for those many years, it was it was like the trust in my heart that I knew what you were talking about and somebody else that, uh, that I knew was okay, but, but I didn't have, I would have, I don't think I could have given the other person the same feelings from my heart that, that we gave each other from heart to heart. Thank you. John, this is the first time Earl and I've really talked about this thing and like this. I mean, the very first right. time we, we, we've ever sat down and, and had this conversation, right? Earl? I mean, we, right, right. We, 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 we I don't think we ever t talked about it. Period. Yeah, yeah. Not today, yeah. like we have today, uh, not, never. And all this happened when Earl was preparing to go to the ring, right? I mean, this. Yeah, yeah. The, the music was playing. Guys were going to the ring, and the referee was already supposed to be in the ring. But I stopped Earl. That's where. <laughs> I, that's when I stopped Earl. Was Earl was getting ready when, you know. Uh, Sean music was getting ready to play and the breath music. I, I pulled Earl back to the back to the corner, like I said, out of sight of everybody. Because I know if anybody would have saw me talking to Earl at that time, they would have known something was going on. So I couldn't talk to him in the beginning because Earl, Earl, uh, I love him to death. And Earl told him, Earl, Earl wears a feeling in his face here. I mean, something's going down. Earl, Earl's going to wear that feeling all day long. <laughs> And I didn't want to put it on it all day long. Vince was asking me, have you talked to Earl yet? No, I haven't. Well, you need to talk to him. I said, I will. Well, when you got, I mean, all day long, I was getting pestered. And Vince is the only one, of course, in my my circle that I that knew that what I was doing, you know. So I didn't have to hide from anybody else. But I got where I was hiding from Vince because I knew I, I didn't want to put the pressure on Earl all day long of walking through backstage and talking with Brett, going over the match and all that stuff. I didn't want to put that pressure on Earl at all. So I knew the only time, the best time to talk to him is on the way to the ring. So I took a calculated risk that I could, I could convince him to, to do what, what the office want needed to be, to be done. Earl, what did Dave say when you, did you tell Dave right away? And that's when he came and got your stuff? I told him to get my stuff, that the thing will not work right. So I said the, the match is not working right, and that's all I said. Then I explained to him on the way to the hotel. When, when you got down to the car, what was the reaction? I mean, he obviously didn't know because he's waiting in the car for you. No. What? What, said, what did, did you? What did, what did you tell him? Well, we got to get out of here now. I said, get uh, get the hell out of here now. Because everybody because you know when you're pulled out of that Montreal exit where there are no fans are right on top of the car. Right. You only had that one car. ramp, and then it yeah. tore that car to pieces and yeah. killed me probably yeah. all of us. You know, and then I got back to the hotel and I took <laughs> I took all the furniture and put it at the, at the door. <laughs> Were you getting phone calls and stuff like that on that long run? No, no. Nobody knew where you guys were staying, though, right? Right, right, right. Right. But my uh, uh I was scared to death somebody was gonna kill me. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I did get out of Montreal. Yeah. What, when, did, when, did you get, when did you get out of Montreal? Uh, 
we went to the let's see uh i went to the next tv after montreal ottawa ottawa yeah and then that's when everybody make it walked out and a couple of guys were threatening to walk out and all that stuff right Right. Did you did you get any harsh feedback that day, Earl, or guys basically on your side or what? Not really, because when Vince had that meeting in catering, he said Earl did what I asked him to do, and if anybody don't like it, he said you can stand up and come to my office. I'll give you a release right now. And the only one at that time was T Taker. Taker thanked me for what I did and said you did a good job. You did right. You know, a lot of people said it too, but Taker was the first one that approached me and said, if anybody gives you any shit, you let me know. I said, okay. Wow. wow. So, and what was it like right after that flying? I mean, we're, you still had to fly out of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised well, customs let you out of immigration. Let you out of <laughs> right. But uh, I think... Uh, I think I had security going to the airport. I did. And I said that. You did. Man. You did. We had security for you going to the airport. Right. 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 Yep. But uh, a guy, this is no shit. A guy, uh, uh, some promoter from Toronto. I can't think of his name. He called me up and hey, got my number. I don't know. He called me up and said, I want to work a deal like. Bret Hart on my show. He said, I'll give you $5,000 to come over here and do that match, but I want to do the same finish. I said, it'll take $10,000 to bury me. I ain't coming. <laughs> yeah, because literally, if they could have, if those fans could have got you in Montreal, they, they might have killed you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially doing the same thing again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jerry, who who all knew? Well, I, I can only go one. Oh, I, I I was told. I, Kevin Dunn knew. Vince, of course, knew. And I, I think that, and now, I, I don't think anybody else knew. I mean, not certainly in my circle, because I was traveling with Jim Roth, Pat Patterson, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Bruce Pritchard. And uh, the night, the night I was at the, the pre-production meeting in, in Montreal the night before, uh, after production meeting was over with, Johnny and Earl, both Earl have been to plenty of these production meetings. They're long, tedious, and you just want to get the hell out of there, you know, and, and get out without getting getting the balls uh, in your ear for anything. So we're wrapping up the meeting. Adventure's wrapping up the meeting. Everybody folding their books up, their, their run sheets up. And when, when we got to uh, 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 the match, we, we laid out a finish like, you know, like a normal finish. And, but the finish is to be determined, you know. But uh I go doing, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was it. So uh as we're wrapping up and I was getting ready to walk out the door in front of it, but Briscoe, I need to talk to you. Of course, the first thing that comes to my mind, well, what did I do? Why am I oh, what did I do? I know I've got screwed up and that's what's talked to me. So uh, you know, you know, I I I of course put my, my bag back down and I sat down. Everybody got out of the room. There's a bathroom in the back. There's a big long conference room with a bathroom in the back. Vince walks back, opens the door, looks in the bathroom, closes that bathroom door. There's two sets of exit doors. He walks over to the first set, locks the damn door, walks to the second set, and locks the door. Now I'm thinking, 
damn, Briscoe, what the hell did you do? <laughs> you know, all kinds of shit trying to think about. Damn, Bradshaw, what did he get me into this time? <laughs> so he sits down right across from me. He said, I got to ask you to do something. He said, uh, you can tell me yes or no. And he said, it won't affect affect uh, our, our, our friendship, our relationship at all. So he said, but this is what's going on. And he laid out the, the, the whole story to all the conversations he had had with Brett, you know, the, the week or week and two, two weeks previous to, to the match and everything. And said, I'm kind of in a predicament. How can we handle this thing? So we sat down and, we, and I asked him right off that's why me? Why why you have me do this? You know, because I never handled Brett matches, you know. I, it was always Pat handling Brett matches because they were such tight friends and everything. So I said, Why, 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 why? He said, Well, I can't let Pat do it because Pat's so emotional, so close to Brett that through either through his emotions or his loyalty to Brett or his just stumbling that like Pat would do would would let something out of the bag. He said, I can't can't go to anybody else because it would look out of place at anybody out of that top top tier guys, you know, and I've considered I guess at that time a top tier guy. And so uh, he said he said it's I'm kind of putting it in your hands. He said, figure it out. Do you have any suggestions? I said, well, let's go through the few, you know, and I, and, you know, and boy, and he said, then uh, we, we, I came up with the sharpshooter thing. And, you know, like I said, it didn't take a genius to come up with that sharpshooter thing. And everybody in, in the business has taken care uh, credit for, well, hell, get him in a sharpshooter, ring the bell, you know. Well, I hadn't talked to everybody in the business, you know, <laughs> about it. So I was just sitting across from Vince at the time. So. About two hours later, Vince told me Sean was coming in a couple hours later because you guys had had a house show, I think, in the drawer or somewhere afterward. You guys were coming in late that night. He said, uh, get with Sean and, and go up and help Sean in case Brett cries something on him, but, you know, you can help him out help out with. So, and, and so I, I waited and I was in the bar with with uh, Bruce, of course, and, and uh, JR. The bartender said, Mr. Briscoe, you have a call. So, I told the front desk when Sean checks in to, to give me a call and I needed to talk to him. So front desk called me and he said, Sean's here. So I called Sean's room, come, went up to Sean's room. We worked out a couple of little things, mostly for self-defense, you know, wasn't aggressive stuff or anything like that. Just how to, how to do what to do in case something happened to him. So I, uh, Bruce, Bruce, that, I thought Bruce would kind of catch on at that moment there. So, it, it, it was a real stressful night for me. I didn't sleep, and I'm sure, uh, you know, <laughs> nobody else slept uh, that night. And the next night, of course, I didn't sleep either, you know, after, <laughs> after, after the fact. But that, that was kind of how it was laid out to me. And uh, and so, uh, you know, I knew, I mean, it didn't take a genius, you know, that's the finish of the sharpshooter, you know, and, you know, you're supposed to tap out. So, I, and I'd known, because reading the eight, Agent reports and all those matches prior to that, and you know, you probably handled every one of them. That, that that was one of their high spots in the matches. And when I was talking to Sean, uh, Sean, I said, Sean, is there a spot where where you know you guys going? Because I, you know, the thing to do as Sean as a champion, you got you got to put each other in your own finishes, you know, <laughs> during the course of the match. So having that experience, and, and Sean says, Yeah, I get him in sharp here. I said, Okay. That's the deal right there, right? When you get him in, I'll, you know, I have, I'll have the referee uh, count a few seconds before he rings the bell. And as turn, Brett turned over, you know, because I, if Brett turned over, you tap the mat, you know, as you're turning over. 
not that you're tapping out, you're just tapping uh, tap the match to keep your balance, you know, as you're turning over. So I knew that spot would come, so I knew if there was a replay, well, right here, when he turned right here, Brett tapping the match. So, you know, just two and two, a common sense type thing. So that's basically how how we, me and Sean, come up with what to, what to do. And uh, so uh, I after, after I met with uh, Sean about one o'clock in the morning, Vince called me about two o'clock in the morning. Have you met with Sean? I said, yeah, you got it figured out. Yeah. I started, he said, I don't want to know about it until tomorrow. <laughs> he said, uh, first thing tomorrow, he said, let's have breakfast and, and we'll talk about it. So I met with Vince at breakfast the next morning, kind of laid it out. And I had kind of asked him, well, who knows? He said, of course, the truck knows. I said, well, who all in the truck? He said, Kevin. So Kevin, Kevin, as far as I know, Kevin being Vince, and I mean, there might have been a couple of others in, in, the, in, the, in the next year or circle that, that knew about it. But as far as I know, we were the only three, two or three at that time with Kevin, Vince, and myself that knew what we were doing. What did Sean say when you talked to him? Was that the first Sean had heard of this? Well, Sean, uh, uh, Vince and Sean had kind of talked and, and we'll have to do something, but Sean didn't know what something was, you know. Hmm. And, and I give the guy credit because we, we all know, you know, Brett was a pretty tough guy. Brett, Brett is a pretty tough guy. I mean, and if I had to pick my winner in a fight between the two, I'd pick Brett nine times out of ten, probably ten times out of ten because the the just the intestinal fortitude that, that Brett Brett uh, a little bit tougher mentally tougher guy than than Sean I mean doesn't make him better athlete or anything but uh, uh so uh, Sean didn't know know what we we're doing so that's when at first Sean heard how we we're actually going to do the finish now whether Sean told, went and told his inner circle guy I don't think he did because nobody came up to me during the, the course of the day which if you know something you know Ron's doing something and you know it. You're going to come up to me and kind of fill me out to see if I know. So nobody, nobody, and I, I, I touched base. And me and Sean were very careful that day about what our conversation with each other too. I kind of like he's over this side of catering, I'm over this side of catering. We never, every once in a while, we kind of buzz by each other in the hallway. Everything okay? Yeah. How about on your end? Yeah. Okay. So, but Earl didn't know until until. The music was in until the music was in. So right. It, it, was, it, was a, it was something I don't think I'm trying to put myself through again today or put anybody else through, especially a friend like Earl went through again today. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, and then I'm thinking too, well, I got to go home. I got to face my brother who's a traditionalist in this business, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and he, the phone off at the body shop the next day was ringing off the hook. You know, your brother screwed Brett, your brother screwed Brett. I mean, right away it was my fault. <laughs> I don't know how I got out there. Yeah. It was my fault, but right away uh, we were getting called, threatening calls at the shop and everything else. So I had to go home and face my brother. Once I laid it out to, to Jack, he said, so what do you think? He said, you did the right thing. So uh, I was, I was, that was, that was the one guy that I wanted to make sure I had to have, but I wanted to call him that night, but I knew I couldn't call him that night to tell him because I didn't want to keep him up all night long and worry about me, mm -hmm. my safety getting out of Canada. So that was basically the story. I mean, it was, it was a hectic night for both of us, you know, something we lived with for years and, and you know, me and Earl both had fun with it a little, a little bit later on down during our careers. But it took a while to, for us to even relax enough to even even talk to the to the casual friends about it. I don't, uh, at least I did, Earl. I, I don't know about you. I'm I, I don't make a, a a big issue of it. Uh, I've had uh, um, what's your name, Conrad, 
Yeah. Thomas, he called me up. It was like a 25th anniversary of it or right. whatever it was. And wanted me to be on his podcast. I told him, nope, I didn't do it. I, I said, nope, I'm not talking about the Bret Hart deal. I've finished with it. I'm done with it. I don't need to talk about it. And I didn't do it. Well, good. I, I feel the same way now. I mean, I'm finished with it. You know, and, uh, this is a special occasion because you and I get to talk about it for the first time. And I, I really don't want to. I mean, it, it's there in history for anybody to read. We can't add anything to it or take away anything. Uh, right. But, you know, it happened. It happened. And, uh, and you know, and uh, looking back, was it the right thing to do? Probably, you know, and uh, because of the, the, where the business was headed at that time. And uh, right. through, on, on, you know, if Brett would go down there and, and hadn't been kicked in the head by uh, Goldberg, who knows, it might have been beneficial for him, too. But, you know, the way things worked out, he, he was he was the victim of the whole thing, you know. And so... But I, I, I respect, just to get it clear, I respect Brett. I respect his championship run. I respect him as a, as a champion just about as much as I do anything because when you knew when he was wearing that title belt, he'd go out and he'd represent that championship as good or better than anybody in the, in the history of our business. Right. And the thing about it, too, is that Brett and I are friends now. Sure. He, he, he texts me when my brother passed away and – uh he uh, texts me at Christmas and everything else. And like I tell these people that want to get the inside scoop, I go, we're friends and I'm not about to stir the pot up no more. It's over with, it's done. I have nothing to say. I feel the same way. And I, I, I hope that Brett and I are friends. I mean, when we see each other, we don't so get daggers through our eyes at each other anymore. No. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I hope uh, that he's over. And I know I certainly am and I don't, and if it hadn't, if it had, because John and I even talked about it, because I was real, I really didn't want to talk about it in this episode because we're not about that kind of stuff in this show here. We're all positive and everything, but hell, it's part of history. You just accept something that you really can't ignore. And when you have two of the major players in and in, in, in the same uh, show here like that, it'd right. be remiss or that our fans probably be be pissed off if, if we did bring it up. So. Well, I appreciate you sharing your your settlement story. That you know, we you know we're not here to to bury anybody, and I, we we got right. we, we we both agree on our story. So if two out of the, out of the three people agree on what happened, it probably happened that way. So right. That's all I got. So. Right. But Brett and I, I've been on a convention, and uh, they asked Brett if Earl's on this. Is that going to bother? He said no. Bring him on, and. We we were on one that we uh, they even took pictures of he and I together. So, you know, I don't need to bring back old memories. Brett and I are friends, and that's what I tell everybody. I have nothing to say. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, number one, I'm, I'm 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 more happy that you and Brett are I put it beside you, and you guys are friends now because that always really bothered me as as a friend of yours and, and a personal that 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 I had to put a friend. In that position, but that was our jobs, Earl. I mean, that was a, that was what we were paid to do, right? And we we did our job, and we did it the best of our ability. And uh, and I, but I, I all through the years, it always kind of hit hit me up here that man, I put Earl in a really unfortunate position. <laughs> but unfortunately, you were the you were the chosen referee that night well, for because of that reason. Because we knew you were law and we knew you would you would you would see it the right way. Well, in all truth, like I said earlier, it had a lot of it had more to do with who told me than just a normal person. 
Thank truthfully, you. my hand to God. Thank you. Thank you, bro. It means uh, a, a lot. Because I don't know. If, truthfully, I don't even know if I don't listen to anybody else. Other than Vince. If Vince is sitting there, I believe that. With, other than you, I don't believe that. Because I, I don't know. People are just so full of shit anyway. And somebody that, like, I know, like I said, I've known you all my whole life. So I, I can trust you. From what you told me, I could trust you. Somebody else that I've been around five or six to ten years, I, I didn't have the same bind with, with anybody else like I had with you. So I don't really know if I could have really trusted them that far for that much. You know what I mean? That, that, well, thank you, my brother. I mean, it means a lot to me for you to say that because also all these years, you know, I felt guilty. That's probably the reason why we never talked about it because I probably felt the, the guiltiest one because I put you in the middle of something that, that you know, was very controversial at the time. It no. still is 25 years later, you know. <laughs> but it is hey. behind us now. So yeah, you're, you're bread or back friends. That's, that's a fantastic that's thing it. about this. Yep. Yeah. That's it. And you know what? What was incredible about that, Jerry and Earl, is that that was one of the pivotal moments in wrestling because that created the evil Mr. McMahon, you know, which was this great character who feuded with Stone Cold, that which was a side benefit from all this that WWE didn't know they were getting. And unfortunately, this great champion, and I always thought Bret Hart to me was the, the stereotypical world champion. You know, he looked like a world champion. He carried himself like a world champion. He wrestled like a world champion. I mean, Brett was a, a, a pro's a pro. World champion now. That he was a world champion. Brett was the, the man for, for good reason. But when he went out to WCW, unfortunately he got hurt and they didn't get that champion. Right. You know, so it, WWE came out of it, the, the, the winner and all the of winner. it. So right. Unfortunate circumstances for Brett. They were getting a great champion, but then he got hurt and wasn't able to wrestle. He never got to prove his record down there. That's right. That's right. Because he would have done great things down there as, right. as he did right. in WWE. Right. Because I saw, I can't tell you so many times when I saw Brett work with anybody, Brett, Brett could have a good match with anybody. At anybody a right. match. That guy could, he was special. Yeah, they don't come along like that uh, very much, you know, and uh, we're, we're fortunate to see the Brett Hart. That was the champion, and Bret Hart that deserved to be champion, and we were able to see that progression that that that, that carried that carried when he first came into territory all the way up to to when when he when he was champion there. So I, I we're all we're all lucky to see that 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 side of Bret Hart, you know, and and uh, yeah. and, and so uh, you know he was a great champion. There's no denying it, but you know it is what it is. Business happens, and you know our business is a strange <laughs> business to say right. the least, but. You know, we well survived it, so that's, that's the important thing. So it was great to have you on, Baby Earl. I appreciate you opening up about this. It's something that John and I talked about in a pre-meeting. I wasn't really comfortable doing it. I, 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 unless Earl brings it up, I, I really didn't want to want to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get into, but you brought but, the good points up. You yeah. didn't, everybody else that wants me to talk wants me to talk negative, and I didn't want to do that. Well, there's right. really not too many negative points that we could talk about Bret Hart. I mean, right, right. But I mean, I mean, they want to they want to blame me and all the yeah. bullshit. Yeah. They want to put the heat on me instead yeah. of like we just did. Yeah. We made it. We made it truthful. Yeah. 
Where they I hope so. I hope so. And I'm glad you said that. Well, but baby Earl, thank you for your time today. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Before, before we go, Earl, Earl, what, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Oh, Do thank you, you John. Uh, so we're in St. Louis together, man. Don't forget that. I'm going into that St. Louis Hall of Fame. Are you there, Earl? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm coming down there. Uh, I'm inducting uh, Mr. Briscoe into the Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. We'll get together. Oh, I look forward to it. That'll be a lot May, of fun. May 13th. Right. May 13th, I always had so much fun with you, Earl. I just got just brings a smile to my face every time I'd see you in the back oh. of the dressing room, in the ring, whatever. Just one, you're one of the good guys. Well, thank you. And, so and see, we, see and, you May 13th at St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame, there in St. Louis, Missouri, man. And, 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 and it's going to be fun. There's a lot of our old cronies there. I hope I don't have to come to the bar and break to break you and Brad show up on anything. <laughs> no, me and Brad show. We're we're on a uh, a behaving list now. <laughs> when, we, when we leave home, uh, our wives tell us if you get any trouble, don't bring your ass back here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Time has mellowed us. There you go. <laughs> hey Earl, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate hey, it. You too. Good seeing you guys. Really, believe me. Uh, ever since uh, Briscoe called me, I've been looking forward to this. Us too.